Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. Later in the programme, I'll be talking to David Bellis, who has featured previously on the programme as the man who runs the Gwulo History website here in Hong Kong. David was also asked to find photographs and illustrations for a recently published book on the complex that is now Taikun in Central, but was previously the Central Police Station, Central Magistracy and Victoria Jail. So we'll be hearing from David later on. But first, Hong Kong artist Mavana Chen values friendship and communication, language and emotion. One part of her work she calls literature, books, magazines or maps that she or others have loved, that are then shredded and then knitted into sculptures. But the books are not being destroyed, they're finding new form. Mavana Chen currently has an exhibition at the Flowers Gallery in Shengwan until November the 7th of her sculptures and acrylic work. I caught up with her at her studio in Chaiwan. So we, here we are, eating your sourdough. I have to say, this is the first interview in many years where I've arrived and somebody's actually baked bread for me ahead. So can you tell me about the, the, is the sourdough bagel process? Oh, this very rush. I had just decided like last night before I went to bed, I raised, I flipped my starter. And then this morning, wake up just making, oh, what's the easier I can make bagel. And then just all skip time. Usually take few hours. And this is less like within three hours I finish. But sometimes you need to overnight to let the dough raise. But still we just try. The texture is still quite good. It's very nice. Uh, I mean, as I say, I'm sitting here and I'm occasionally dipping it in um, a little bit of olive oil from Portugal. And we've also got Greek mountain tea. So this is uh, really quite a treat arriving here in Chaiwan at your studio. So tell me, you were born in 1974. Um, and where were you born? Tell me about your early childhood. I was born in Guangdong, in China, in Chaozhou very uh, far away from Shenzhen, six hour drive maybe. So a small village, but the house is so amazing. All the traditional house with a big open roof space on the middle of the house. So I will remember like my mom washing clothes. In the middle is open, the sunlight project in the middle. But that's in my childhood, like with my grandpa and my grandmom together live in that house and I still remember how my mom giving birth on the bed in house. I'm just underneath the bed. So waiting the baby coming out, my brother coming out. So that kind of memory. Because you're a large family with six girls, one boy. And where are you? You're the eldest? Yeah, I'm the eldest. So when I was 10, I already take care of my brother, my sister. We kept together. That's my memory. After 10, we moved to from Shenzhen and then to Singapore to study high school. Because we moved to Hong Kong first, and after I studied in Hong Kong in high school. Where? In Shenwan, yeah. Artist Mavana Chen would go on to study fashion design in London, but left after two years and worked in her parents' business, doing the accounting for seven years. When they closed their China business in 2003 during the SARS epidemic, she recalls shredding some of the papers and the colours from the highlighter pens in among the shredding. It provided the inspiration for her first artwork. One of the techniques of Hong Kong artist Mavana Chen she calls literature. 
where magazines or books or maps are shredded. But not just any old book or magazine. These are publications that have a personal resonance. The book is shredded and then Mavana knits the paper. And those thoughts, memories, emotions are all knitted into her artwork. When I shredding the paper in the office and come up with the idea using the collection when after study in London I carry all the books or magazine or different material to move back Hong Kong. I used one of the magazine to transform into the first wearable piece. So that's for my first fine art project. So what was that wearable piece? That one's still here in my studio. Yeah, uh, just 60 page is one dress. So you had 60 pages of what, a magazine? Or? Yeah, one, one, one magazine, 60 page, yeah, so transformed into one dress. Mavana Chen would go on to study fine art, and her artworks are permanently exhibited around the world, including at Louis Vuitton in Paris, and also Hong Kong International Airport, where she knitted her years-long diary into a sculpture that is displayed in the Cathay Pacific Lounge. By shredding books and magazines, maps and dictionaries, she creates body containers, literature that stands in semi-human form. And she also uses these knitted paper sculptures for her own performances, and recently got inside one and went and stood by a set of traffic lights in Central for half an hour so she could observe the reaction of passers-by. Now recently, two days ago, I just went out Central with my body sculpture. I'm standing in the traffic light. And because it's the atmosphere is so intense now, how you enjoy the day, how you spend the time with friends in this period of time, you have to keep the energy moving. Yeah. So I try to go out, maybe to, to see how the city react to me, my work, by standing there 15, 30 minutes, or not too long, because it's so hot, 35 degrees, so hot in noon, 11, 12 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, and people Is just- quite a weight as well? Yeah, heavy, but it's very easy. I put on less, one minute I can put on and then take it off. And I just, in front of people, surrounding of people in traffic light, just putting on so people can see me but still like people not really come to <laughs> come to you no because hong kong is so busy yeah. everyone now more people's on phone just, but they don't even see you but they don't even they see don't even me. see you yeah many a guy just <laughs> next to me yeah i don't know why Oh, nearly half hour, how come he don't see me? <laughs> he just focusing his own taking picture. In 2013, I do the same piece and I wear in the same location in Central. And some people will come to ask, what are you doing here? Like, like some people will ask in that time. But now people more just leave and, and, and not. And is this one of the early ones or one that you've made more recently? Yeah, the same one. This yeah, is, is the same yeah. one. Just getting bigger now this time. So it's quite hard when I move. Before that, I, the last time, seven years ago, when I performed, I'm moving my body because the piece is smaller. Now the edge, the run is getting bigger. So if I walk in traffic light, it's quite dangerous. So I just keep still there. So why is it getting bigger? Uh, when I travel to different place, I collect the maps from friends they gave me, so the edge is adding bigger, yeah. 
So with this body container, what, what elements have you got in it? So you've got maps, as you say, that have become added on later. Yes, all neat with maps is from different places, like from Sicily, London, Paris, Korea, S- recently I have Sydney, and from Lake District in UK, yeah. But every place, the map, not just a map itself, is how the adventure in the journey. So you still remember, wow, the stone, wind, rain. So uh, also Siberia, like in how you're hiking in minor 25. Oh, wow. And you take when the Siberia train, 2016. So you get lost, but survive. <laughs> you got lost in Siberia? Yeah, in the forest. <laughs> by yourself? Yeah, by myself. I always like to go by myself to see things. If you with other people, yeah, someone will take care of you. Because I'm so small, my friend, they will take care of me. And yeah, that is nice also. But I also like to... By myself. At Flowers Gallery in Chengwan, Mavana Chen will be showing her literature sculptures as well as her acrylic work until November the 7th. She'll also be using the gallery as her studio during that time, so will often be working from there. In non-COVID times, she loves to travel, and when she does, she troops around with an artwork that weighs 10 kilograms and growing. It's called Travelling Into Your Bookshelf where friends around the world have sent Mavana their beloved books. She reads them, shreds them, sends them back, and then they knit the paper themselves. And all these parts have been added to one long roll that's been taken to Los Angeles, into the desert, and to Siberia on a 68-hour train journey. Hong Kong history website Grulo.com founder and organiser David Bellis is a great one to go to for old photos. He blows them up and looks at the detail with a big magnifying glass, which is why he was just the man for authors May Holdsworth and Christopher Munn, who've written the book Crime, Justice and Punishment in Colonial Hong Kong, Central Police Station, Central Magistracy and Victoria Jail. So May and Christopher have written the history of the complex now known as Taekwun. And I hope to go back to them to talk about the book in the next few weeks. But I caught up with David to ask him about some of the photos he's included in the book and how he found them. We had uh, a whole bunch of different ways. We we did the obvious ones, which is go and look through all the, the big archives. So we've got the Public Records Office here. We've got Museum of History, of course. The Museum of Art was good. That turned up some nice surprises. I'd been overlooking the art, but of course, if you want really early pictures, you've got to go before the photographers and back to the sketches and the, the artists. What's your earliest one? can't think of a date for it, but it was um, there's a, a famous incident with, with the arsenic poisoning of that story. Ah, yes. The, the local baker poisoned all of the bread delivery that was going out to the Westerners that morning. Yes, and that's so a, in the early days of, of Hong Kong as a British colony, isn't it? Yes, um, and, and there's a famous scene of him being questioned and it, it came out in the Illustrated London News. So, you know, it's very well distributed and it pops up in lots of history books. But the Art Museum have got the original Baptista sketch, the, the actual sort of pencil sketch of the event, which all those other engravings were based on. The Illustrated London News, what a publication that was. And, and I was very surprised to hear recently that the Illustrated London News, in fact, continued on till fairly recently, whereas I always sort of thought of it as a really a 19th century publication. Yeah, 
I, I also had that same feeling that it was just something that was back in the days of engravings. But no, they, they carried on until, I'd have to guess, but what, like 70s, 80s, something like that? Yes, yeah, surprisingly yeah. late. I, I, I yeah. really didn't know that, but I, I absolutely love it. I mean, I think, as you say, there's all these engravings. I mean, sometimes some more accurate than others, but really gave an impression of, of what was going on in Hong Kong. Now, when you were deciding what to put in uh, in this book, which is all sorts of crime stories and, and history, and so it's crime, justice and punishment in colonial Hong Kong, Central Police Station, Central Magistracy and Victoria Jail. What did you find? Well, the big problem is that while it was a going concern, photography was illegal, was banned. So it's not a place you're going to find a whole lot of pictures of. So we had to be a bit creative, go around the edges. We did get some good views looking in over the wall, <laughs> peeping in over the wall. Uh, May had some good tricks as well. She hired uh, several illustrators. So there were some places where we just knew we'd never find the exact picture that we were looking for or even something close that would get the message over so there are several good sketches in the in the book from the illustrators and there's also some good modern photography so just after the site was decommissioned yeah i mean it's a beautiful site i'm so glad that it's uh, been saved and i saw it um, yeah, a number of years ago, probably about 2002. So while it was empty, but prior to it being turned into Taekwon. In terms of if we go first into some of the earlier um, illustrations that you found, some are actually quite amusing in a sense, not exactly amusing cartoons, but the way that they've been done. I'm, I'm just looking at one which was in China Punch, which again, I didn't know existed. I, I just know about uh, Punch being, a, a, I would have said, a British magazine. Um, but this right. is from 1872. This cartoon in China Punch shows four Europeans in the act of helping to dress a Chinese in police uniform. Um, and uh, I have to say a couple of the, you know, it's, it's just interesting how it's drawn. I mean, huge noses on a couple of them. Yes. Yes. If you, if you were in Hong Kong at the time, you'd know exactly who they were, were sketching. It's all very much uh, oh, exaggerated I and poking fun at the, at the, the big guys of the day. So it's actually based on actual individuals. Yes, no, they're all recognisable. Uh, Chris, I think, would be able to tell you who you're, you're looking at there. He <laughs> matched them up. This was a good example of, of how we found some of the material. The source of these was good. We had a broadcast out on Gulo, just an appeal for anything related to the three buildings we were looking at. So this is your history website? Yes, that's right. And it, it's got a good traffic of people coming through. So what we were hoping was to get some surprises, some material that was tucked away in private collections and wasn't known about before. And one of the collectors that got back in touch is Roy Delbeck. He's based here in Hong Kong. Got a huge collection of material, including several sets of these China Punch. They only existed for a very few years. The publication didn't last for long, but he's got a good set of them. What would the readership have been? I mean, who would, as in, who would have read it? Oh, I think it would have been the, the wealthier Western people here. It's, as I say, it's, it's poking fun at all of the government of the day. Now, you're known in Hong Kong for both the history website, Gulo, and it's uh, tens of thousands of pages of information and photographs. But also you've created three volumes of old Hong Kong photos and the tales they tell, so often choosing photographs with a story behind them. You're working on your fourth. So you're an ideal candidate to find old photos for this book, too. The material that we looked at was, was in good shape. It was usually held within archives. There was one set of pictures that, that Chris found. This is in the UK's National Archive. And I wonder if he's the first person to have looked them for, for about 160 years because they just tucked away in a little envelope inside a, another document. 
but they don't appear in any of the indexes. Um, they're just something he stumbled upon. And they're great views around the outside of the prison. So Old Bailey, Chancery Lane, Arbuthnot Road. And we couldn't use them. They weren't clear enough to be used. But what we could do is give them to the illustrator. So one of the pictures in the book is sort of a, a composition made from those three scenes. Throughout the book, you have illustrations. You also have plans of, of the different buildings so people can see the sort of floor layout. You've got street views. Um, you've got close-ups. You've also got, rather disturbingly, um, a scene of torture during the, the Second World War. Was that one of the illustrated ones? Yes, exactly. Mm. That was grim. And when I looked at it, I couldn't quite believe the scene. It, it didn't seem to make sense. But when you read what happened, that's a pretty accurate view of what was happening. So that was uh, during the war years here in Hong Kong, and it's actually a woman mm. being water-tortured or waterboarded. So when you were given this task, I mean, which is quite a difficult one, of, as you say, going to the archives and then looking for some of these uh, photographs and illustrations that may or may not have seen the light of day for a number of decades, what mm. would you have said were two or three highlights? Well, there's two that spring to mind. One was another reply to the, the appeal that we made. One of the characters we were interested in is uh, John Pennyfather Evans, and he was the commissioner of police in 1941, which, as we just talked about, those are the war years, so not a great time to, to be here. And he was interned with everyone else down at Stanley. And his grandson has a scrapbook that he kept while he was in the camp there. So they said, would you be interested to see? So yes, you know, please. So um, they're in Essex, and it coincided with a, a visit to Britain. I was able to go and, and see them and, and copy pictures from all of the different pages. And there's this sketch. And when you look closely, you find that it's on brown wrapping paper. And then when you look down in the bottom, you see this signature in the bottom corner is Mr. Savitsky, 1942 Stanley. And so he was a, a fellow policeman, a white Russian policeman with artistic talents. And he kept up morale by doing these wonderful little caricature sketches of people. And he always made them look their best. And he'd usually sketch them as though they were wearing their working clothes or their, their full uniform. He did several hundred, I think, and, but this was the first time I'd seen one sort of in the flesh. So that was a good find. And another good one was because we were looking for surprises. And there was a picture which I've seen used several times before and was sort of thinking, you know, should we use this one or not? But when you look really closely at the, the detail, which is you know, something I love to do is enlarge them. You can see in the yard of the prison, the prisoners are doing the shot drill. And I'm... Pretty sure this is the only photo that's ever captured the shot drill in Hong Kong. And I, I wonder perhaps even, you know, around the world, whether there are any other pictures of this. What is so that? Got, well, the prisoners had a lot of repetitious, unpleasant punishments that they'd be forced to do over and over again. And one was the shot drill. So the shot is like a, a cannonball, like a, a heavy metal ball. And you see them stood in a circle and they've each got a shot on a little wooden stand in front of them. And then there's a guard off to one corner. And so he'd shout out the commands. And you'd have to stoop down, pick up the shot, shuffle forward. It was very heavy. And then put it down onto the next stand in front of you. And you'd, you'd just do this over and over and over again. So the picture is meant to be of all the fancy prison buildings. But down in the front in the yard there, we've just caught this, this shot drill underway. As you say, a lot of this stuff would never have been photographed or given permission for being photographed. So you're saying that, that during the time when it was Central Police Station, Victoria Jail and the Magistracy, of course, I mean, I know in court cases world over, you only, you only ever have an illustrator even up to this day. So there were no photographs actually taken inside while it was actively being used. 
There are a few, and you'll find them in the government archives. There obviously there were certain ones were taken for use in, I'd guess, probably things like the annual reports and the government publications. But you wouldn't have any professional photographers just going in to do a, you know, a photo study or, of course, you wouldn't have anyone doing casual photography. So these ones both appeared in, in the UK's National Archives. I guess they were taken for some formal report. So the first glance at the picture is that it's very obvious. First of all, that we had the detail from the archives. The, the picture they gave us is so detailed. And then showing it to Chris with his knowledge of what was going on in prisons at that time, he was able to go, ah, OK, that's that's what we're looking at. So the shot drill... Gosh, how miserable. You've got here an escape. Yes. Well, we've got two two kind of nicely linked pictures. We've got a modern and an old one. So the modern one, and it's one of those pictures that was taken during the decommission period, and it shows ladder store and the entrance to the ladder store. And you think, you know, what's all the fuss about ladders? You don't normally pay much attention to ladders. But, of course, once you're behind a prison wall, a ladder takes on a whole new... <laughs> whole new, new. So no doubt they have to be kept locked up. And then heading back in time... And this is back into the 1850s. We've got one of the examples of a, of a sketch that the illustrator did. And I think it's a story that, that Chris and May discovered. And it was a successful escape made in 1850. And it was two men who, who climbed up a bamboo pole and hopped over the wall that way. And it was a successful escape, but a very short-lived escape because they got as far as town, got terribly drunk. <laughs> By the end of the day, they were back in the cells again. So. <laughs> We just had a little burst of freedom. Yeah, and a few beers by the sound of it. Yes. One of the other sources, of course, I mean, we were saying about the Illustrated London News, um, but uh, you probably had a good look through Hong Kong's newspapers. Yes, one of the chapters, as it looks through the more modern events, Yes. then that was a great chance to look through the local newspapers' archives. And, of course, they've got great libraries of pictures of people going in and out of courts. You can't see them in the courts, but you can you can see who we're talking about, at least. Also, of course, with the riots here in, in 1967, there's, uh, there's pictures of the police during that time as well. So you, you really go right up to 2005? Yes, but I think the bulk... I was talking to, to May and Chris about this the other day, and they were saying that the part they really focused on is the first 100 years. Mm. So kind of from the the British arriving up till about the Second World War. That's the, that's the meat of the book. But yes, then they, they do run a little bit on to bring it up to date as well. You've also got some great images of uh, the Vietnamese boat people when they were here in Hong Kong. Um, so that was from the period one year after the Vietnam War. Uh, so when they came in 1976 uh, up into the 1990s. And uh, so there's uh, a couple of great images. One is all of them on a series of boats and you can see the, the opposite side of the harbour. So I, I always find looking at any of these photographs, you've got the news element and then you're looking at all the buildings because Hong Kong changes so fast. Yes. On that point, actually, I was, it was interesting. The other day I saw somebody on Facebook who was uh, saying about their collection of Hong Kong postcards. And I don't mean old ones or I do sort of, but not what I regard as old, which is the 80s and 90s. And they were just regular Hong Kong picture postcards, like often with four images on uh, or you'd have a, a tram or the peak tram, all of the ones that we will be very accustomed to. And uh, they've made a collection of them since 1980s. And I, I suddenly thought, gosh, I should have been doing that <laughs> rather than posting yes. them off because they, they really... That is the great lament of the, of, of the Gulo website is you talk to anyone and everyone who's been here more than about 10 years says, oh, I wish I'd taken more photos. Oh, totally. Of course, 
it's what we need to be doing now because in 10 years' time, but it, somehow it just never happens, does it? Now, you need to be a tourist here almost. The only image I have of a plane roaring over Mong Kok, really low, was taken by my brother because he, I, came, he thought that was rather novel when he came here for a holiday. <laughs> and I was there, no, not quite in Mong Kok every day, but I, I could have pushed myself to, to click the shutter down at some point ahead of the, the new airport, you know, but we don't. No, no it's, it's the old story that, well, if you look at the photos in my books, they're almost all either taken by tourists or, or taken for sale to tourists. You don't just don't get the, the ordinary life stuff going on because that's too boring. You've also got some of opium smokers, so going to, to uh, also back to the 19th century. Uh, would there have been opium smoking in the prison or they were in for opium smoking? Ah, yes, no, there wouldn't be. I'm not sure if anyone ever managed to smuggle it in. <laughs> you know, often hear of amazing things being smuggled into to modern prisons, but no, that was definitely no, no opium. But you'd have had plenty of pirates in there, wouldn't you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. One of the other pictures that got sent to us is a, a sketch of four pirates in the dock. And that was, uh, I think, somebody here with the Navy at the time and just happened to make a sketch. And that's survived again well over 100 years. It's in a family collection in Britain. And they got in touch and said, oh, would this be of any interest? We said, yes, yes, please. So that's in the book as well. These days, with the correctional services, I know that there are prisoners make certain products, including, I think, uniforms. Now, there was uh, various other forms of labour within Victoria Jail, for example, including oakum picking, which was a, a form of hard labour and obviously loathed by the prisoners themselves. And you've got an illustration of that. Well, we think also in that, that shop drill, there are little piles of nondescript fluff on the floor, and we think that's probably the oakum there as well. And what is oakum? Is it a sort of rope? It's sort of old rope, yes, and you had to pick it apart into its threads. And apparently it's it's very hard and sharp and it would make the ends of your fingers bleed and it was just a really unpleasant thing to have to have to do over and over again. And what were they using it for? I don't know where it went to afterwards. I'm not sure whether it was seen as a you know, a productive thing to do or whether the punishment was more what they were were looking for. You've also got, gosh, uh, I mean, it's, it's uh, fascinating the different kinds of images you've got here as part of a prison chain gang, and that's also 19th century. Yes, that was a unusual one as well. Yeah, so you've got four or three Chinese and then a, an Indian sentry behind and uh, then also a European guard. And, uh, and actually the quality of it is quite uh, astonishing. You can really see the detail on there. But yes, there's, a, there's some sort of harbour behind so you wonder what sort of jetty that was over at stonecutters ah okay it was a time when they had a, a prison over there and and what sort of so if they're on a prison chain gang do you know what they were doing there probably just being moved to or from Ah, okay and they had a, a prison in a hulk about just the hulk of a of an old ship for a while and then there was a, a prison built i don't know if you if you've ever seen pictures of stonecutters island there's a the church there is in a funny sort of I don't know if it's hexagon or octagon, but in a, in a funny old tower. And that's all that's left, I believe, of the, the prison that was built there. So it's still there? Just that tower, yes. Most of the prison got destroyed in a typhoon. But the, 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 uh, the tower is still there. Now, you've also got, of course, uh, cell, cell accommodation, which we can still see if you sort of take a tour of Taekwon or just go around the buildings there. You can pass some of the cells, and I think one of the cells is used as a a rather funky bar these days. You know, in terms of accommodation, it was uh, pretty uh, pretty tight, wasn't it? Yes, yes. And they, there was a, a constant struggle, I, I guess, 
as with all accommodation in Hong Kong, you know, just just trying to fit everybody in. So that was one of the reasons for that expansion over to stonecutters, trying to keep up with the growing population. It's interesting looking at this book and all the different images and uh, from Victoria Jail and, and uh, the Central Police Station and the Magistracy to think that it's actually very recent. I mean, the Victoria Prison's closure was only in 2005 and there it was, right bang in, in the middle of a massive real estate area, I'd say, but also um, right bang in the middle of Hong Kong or old Hong Kong. Yes, and we're lucky that it was a, a sort of a government building and it was left untouched. You know, if it had been a commercial site, it would have already been on its third or fourth generation by now. It would have been knocked down and rebuilt so many times. But just because it had that, that government purpose and it was left untouched. And so we've got this lovely great space now in the middle of uh, the building area and all these beautiful old buildings. My thanks to David Bellis talking there about the photos he found for the book Crime, Justice and Punishment in Colonial Hong Kong, Central Police Station, Central Magistracy and Victoria Jail, which is published by Hong Kong University Press. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. <laughs>